Hey folks, this is Aid, and welcome to this week's show, uh, The Future of Photography, show number 44. And this is a slightly unusual situation, well, at least for me, because I'm here on my own. Um, no Chris. Uh, Chris is in transit somewhere between, I believe, Donegal and Lofoten. Um, not entirely sure where he is. Um, and so I've commandeered the whole channel this week. Um, and what you get uh, is something a little bit different. Uh, what I have, in fact, for you actually is a little show called The Future of Film Photography. Now, I think probably most of you know by now that I host a, a weekly podcast on film photography called The Sunny 16 podcast and this week on sunny 16 we had a, a fantastic guest uh, a commercial photographer educator and business person uh, named sandra Cohn. and uh, i thought it might be of interest to discuss here on the future of photography uh, what's going on in the world of using film commercially uh, to make a living and how, how does that work even uh, as we record this at the back end of 2018 uh, so uh, i'll put the little segment in here Hope you all enjoy it. Uh, be good to hear from you uh, if you'd like to hear more of this sort of thing. Uh, thanks very much, and I'll speak to you after this. Very interested to talk to you about your photography. Uh, very interested to talk to you I I as well about some of the business side um, uh, and especially how the whole film thing you know work works for you. Um, and but but I mean, why don't you just start off by? Uh, tell us, telling us a, a little bit about how you see your business. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, um, I I see my business as something that I love. So I uh, started out a long time ago. So this is like my 18th year. I'm going into my 19th year as a professional photographer. So I've been doing it for a very long time. And so when I started. Back in the day, of course, film photography was just photography, right? Like everybody shot film. That's what we were doing. And then, you know, when it transitioned, when everything happened, we transitioned to digital. I did that as well because I believed that that's the way the industry was going and that's what you needed to do to stay relevant. And um, and so I shot digitally, digitally for about four years and just kind of struggled with it. It was just never an easy transition. I feel like digital and I, we just never understood each other. And so after about four years of fighting with my camera and trying to make it look the way it used to look when I shot film, I thought, well, why don't I just go back to shooting film? And so that I'm was pretty sure that'll resonate idea. with our listeners. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is like ridiculous. So, um, so at that point I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go back to shooting film. And I did. And, um, now I shoot film hundred percent of the time. That's all I use in my in my professional work and couldn't be happier. It's been it was probably the best business decision I've ever made. So would you life. say then that you, you you went back to film or would you say you, you really just had a, a sort of short hiatus from it and you never really left? Well, I kind of like had, I guess, like a little affair with digital. Like I was like, <laughs> I'm going to try it. But in the end, I went back to my true love. Yes. <laughs> 
yeah, that's fair, fair enough. I mean, it's, it's got to be actually, I mean, you know, I, I have the luxury of being a complete amateur uh, when it comes to photography, well, actually many things, but especially photography. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to worry about making a business out of my hobby, which I, I, I do feel is a luxury. Um, so I can play around with film and, and I can, uh, you know, I can try things out, um, uh, not having to worry about it. Um, is that something that, you know, that, that you have to consider? Do you, do you ever worry about that or are you just totally in the film zone and and you you know what you're doing and and it's all going to come out all right on the day well in the beginning that was a concern so when I when I decided to make the transition back to film there I did feel like I had to a I had to relearn how to shoot it because anyone who shoots film knows that you know film especially like color film or c41 negative they it reads light it sees light so different i mean much more i can't even speak good heavens so worked (laughs) up differently than a digital sensor is what i'm trying to say and so i kind of had to like relearn it a a little bit if that makes sense um and then there was the cost part that i was concerned about and um transitioning my clients you know the expectations have shifted and um so it was it was a kind of a process it actually took me about a year before I went 100% film once I started that transition. But as far as the business part of it, um, I feel like shooting film is, is a business expense. So it is a non-issue for me because I'm smart about my numbers, right? Like I factor in, well, this is how much it costs. This is what I'm you know, spending on buying film. This is what I'm spending on processing and scanning. Um, and I just work that into my pricing. So that part of it is, you know, kind of a non-issue. So it's a question I get all the time. It's how can you, how can you make a profit and shoot film? And it's like, well, you price your work. Charge, charge more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you figure it out and then you roll that into your cost of doing business. So, so that, that's, um, that's an interesting point of view. Cause I mean, that, that, that is, you know, that, uh, I think I hear that comment a lot from people who are feel that they're competing against uh, photographers who are purely digital and therefore the marginal cost of a shot is essentially zero. Right. Um, so, but, but, but clearly you've managed to reach a, a client base that, that it appreciates the aesthetic. Well, you know, it's interesting because I hear that a lot too. And um, I have a lot of pretty strong opinions about that kind of stuff. But one of the things I always tell people is really whatever your competition is doing has absolutely nothing to do with you and your business at all. doesn't matter. You know, you can be the most expensive photographer in your city and still run a thriving business if you're marketing, right? Like what your competition is doing really doesn't affect your business. What affects your business is your communication, right? It's knowing exactly what it is you do and exactly who your people are and making sure that you're communicating what you do to your people. And if you are, right, that's the marketing piece, then the people you're going to pull in are those people that are going to be happy to pay you what you're charging, who are going to love your aesthetic. I, I mean, most of my clients, I don't think know necessarily that I shoot film. Some of them do. And for some of them, that's it's a selling point. But really what they see is they see my images and they like my images and they like the look. How I'm getting that look, they don't really care about that. You know, as long as they're going to get their photos and their photos are going to look like that, that's what's most important to them. 
That that sounds uh, I mean, that 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 does sound very enlightened actually. Um, uh, uh, good good clients that you have because one of my things I was I was thinking of is that you know photographs of, uh, of kids and and especially of newborns they're they're some of the most precious things you can have at that period in your n- new life as a parent, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and and so you know I I could uh, you know I I don't know I had a, a mental image that some of the clients that you might have would say oh well we don't want any of that nasty film stuff it's going to come out wrong but (laughs) no not at all they trust me because I'm really good at branding and I'm good at communicating what I do to my people (laughs) and 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 good at photography as well let's not let's not escape that because I yeah Yeah. I I can flick through your flick through your website here and and there's some amazing yeah portraits of people of all ages it's it's certainly not just babies is it I mean you you've got you've got uh, all all of the uh, all of the age groups uh, represented there, and, and yeah, and... I tell people I'm a portrait photographer first. That's what I do, and I just happen to take a lot of portraits of babies. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, yeah, I can go with I can go with that. That that sounds. And so, how how do you end up with a with a business that is about taking portraits of babies or por- portraits of people? What drew you into portrait photography as as your you thing? Know- I think, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about running your business, and I can get very lofty about this, but I really believe that we all have a calling, like you pick up your camera, you're called to do it for a reason. And I've just from the beginning of my life, I've been a portrait photographer, which is weird. But you know, I always have had a camera in my hand, I grew up with a camera in my hand, my dad actually had a dark room in our house in the basement. So I mean, I grew up around this all the time. And from the dawn of time, I took pictures of people like, I was, this is a real life true story. So my parents got me a little point and shoot camera when I was like eight or nine for my birthday. And I would, I would like create these little backdrops in my room out of bed sheets and photograph my dolls, like swaddled and stuff, like roll after roll after roll. And God bless these people. They developed that film. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, so I've like, like it's something I guess is just I've always been interested in. Like I'm the kid who when I went to, you know, Europe the first time with my high school French group, you know, when everybody else was taking pictures of the Eiffel Tower, I was taking pictures of people sitting in front of the Eiffel Tower. You know, it's just like I like people. I like faces. There's something about being a portrait photographer that I feel like is storytelling and um being a historian, like there's something that, that feels really important to me. It's just something that I'm really drawn to. So that's why that's, so I've always photographed people. I love photographing people. And I started my business kind of by accident, honestly. Um, but I started out as a maternity photographer, photographing a good friend of mine. And she is the one who said, Hey, you should turn this into a business. And I was like, Oh, that's actually not a bad idea. And so it started with that. And then those maternity clients turned into newborn clients and those newborn clients turned into family clients. And so it kind of grew organically that way. But, um, yeah, I do think of myself as a portrait photographer more than just a newborn photographer. That's, for sure uh, no, and, and, it, and it it comes through it, it comes through in in the shots i mean some of the some of uh the ones that i've seen and and, and uh really caught my eye actually looking through your portfolio and things like that have been uh, of the uh of the older people well of all ages i mean rather than just just the just the very young kids so okay so so the, there's a there's a lifelong love there of photography and and especially of portrait photography so that kind of 
yeah that yeah i i can i can relate to that because I, I like to think of myself if i do have a preferred sort of genre of photography it would be it'd be portraits and stuff like that and uh i i when when my kids were young uh and i used to have to get up very early in the morning to look after them and you know i i would take a lot of photographs of them as well <laughs> and okay. and that was how i got a lot of that was how i got a lot of my practice on film photography actually it happened to be at roughly the time that i was getting back into film photography that i you know i happened to have these two very young children uh most important uh, they were too young to say no and to move away and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so that's now cute. now they'll run yeah. a mile as soon as they see me with the camera but that's uh yeah that's that's another story i think so so and and so uh you, you're based in seattle yeah, yeah. and yeah. uh and and as graham remarked just before we hit yeah. the record button probably a good idea if you're in seattle to have a studio as a main part of your business absolutely not, not well not well known for uh its weather well actually maybe it is very well known for its weather actually seattle. just not its sunny weather yeah <laughs> just not its sunny weather although i understand there's a, a little bit of a glitch with your weather at the moment yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, this time of year, it's actually really, really beautiful. This is the best kept secret. Like the late summer fall is is really pretty lovely. Um, we have we had some smoke from some fires, but you know, other than that, it's really gorgeous this time of year. But yeah, no, the rains will come. So I always joke like, you know, winter is coming, and um, you have to be prepared. Well, you know, for the dark days. But yeah, so we, you know, I was talking about my transition when I decided to make that choice to go back to film. And, you know, that was when I decided to learn studio lighting. So up to that point, I had always been a natural light photographer. And even in my studio in Seattle, um, with digital, I could make that work, right? Because, you know, even with natural light, there are days that it's just really, really dark. And so you can kind of handle that with a digital camera. I knew that if I was going to go back to shooting film 100% of the time, which is what I wanted, however, I was really going to have to figure out the lighting thing. And that was a struggle for me because I'm a self-taught photographer and lighting was something that scared me, which I feel like is something that I hear from a lot of photographers when people tell me that they're afraid of strobes. I get it because I used to be afraid of it too. Yep, me and, too. Yep. <laughs> right? And so like I avoided it for years and years and I had all these misconceptions about that strobe light looked artificial or flash looked super flashy or you know those images that we all get in our heads when we think of studio lighting with flash you know or or studio lighting from like the 80s or you know it's just like I was like oh I don't want that and um so I really started studying and learning and practicing and trying all these things because I wanted to be able to create that same soft natural light look that I got with my window light with my strobes and so I taught myself how to do that it took me about a year at the beginning, the pictures were not good. <laughs> I should post some of them sometimes. And I'm like, hey, friend, it's okay. I get it. If you're no, if it's not working out at first, I get it. I have been there. Um, so they weren't very pretty at first, but I kind of, I did learn a system. And now I can't live without it. Like now I've come to prefer the studio lighting and um, even when it's bright, sunny days, like today, we have a beautiful, bright, sunny day. Yesterday we did too. And I had a full roster of clients and I'll actually draw my curtains so I can just use my strobes because I prefer it to natural light, right? Gasp. I get that actually. I mean, and it's funny you say it's a bit scary because yes, I mean, I, 
I remember the actually the first person to 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 buy me any kind of a, a photography light was my wife. She she noted that I'd bought this digital camera and I was getting into photography. This is before I came back to film, and uh, she bought me a a speed light for my camera. And then for for weeks after that, everything I shot was massively overexposed, and I was going to think, yeah, and what, what do you, what do you mean that the exposure is only a a multiple of two factors? It's it's not three factors. Surely exposure is supposed to be a triangle. You telling me that one of those things no longer matters? <laughs> I'm here like, uh, and and, and yeah. it, it it took me ages, and uh, and I did practice, and um, so uh, and I I sort of yeah I found myself looking at some of the work on your website, thinking you must have some really big white spaces somewhere in your studio that you're bouncing this off because you've oh, yeah. got you've got the you know uh, I mean wait it, it, it's clear that you've got from the shots you've taken you've got the ability to to shoot at and make use of the fall off of light fall off of the light across the subject but also the the opportunity to to make that go away presumably by having uh, by playing with the uh, the inverse square law and putting the lights further away and making them really really big um but uh yeah so so i i i envisage you in this enormous white space studio is that what it's like <laughs> it's kind of like that um yeah so i have big big white walls everywhere and i use giant modifiers because i can and i actually get my lights really close to my subjects and so i do create that really big soft light so my my technique is big modifier really close to my subject, I turn my power way down. And then yeah, either I have white walls, you totally guessed it. Um, <laughs> but when I'm on location, or I'm teaching or something somewhere else, then I'll bring in a, a B flat or um, a bounce, like some sort of something to bounce. Yes, that light off of. And um, yeah, that's my setup. So I do everything with one light. And with, with one light. Okay, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Okay, tell us about yeah. that one light. That's yeah. Because I just don't feel the need for more. <laughs> okay. I always tell people, it's... like, my brand is lazy. I mean, that's, like, one of the reasons why. I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> it doesn't that's say that reason. on the coaching page of your uh, website. <laughs> if you want to learn how to be lazy, contact Sandra Cohn at sandracone.com. No, uh, that's one of the reasons why I went back to shooting film, right? Because I don't want to do all the post-production. I just want to be – I want to do it in camera the way the Lord intended and be done. But – um so same with the light. I, I, again, I went into lighting knowing nothing about how to use studio lighting, knowing nothing about inverse square law, none of the big words, none of the anything. All I knew is that I knew how to work with a window. And so I pretended that my strobe and softbox was a window. And all the things that I would do with window light, I tried with studio lighting. And I really tried to mimic that. And that's how I learned what I, what I do, what I did. And so I was like, well, I just work with one window. I can just work with one light. Same, same. And, um, so yeah, so I've always basically just used one light, like, and occasionally I'll bring in some extras if I'm trying to do something fancy or whatever, but really for my work, I want it simple and easy. I just want to put it up, not think about it. And, you know, I'm working with kids a lot of the time. So I don't want to have to be thinking about all that. I don't want to have equipment anywhere that anybody can trip on or get hurt on. I just want things really stripped down and simple and beautiful. 
Um, yes, so, I, I, I get the, the whole work, work, working with kids thing. You need a massive light because if you try, if you have any light that is in any way aimed, they will simply walk away, won't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know people are like, "How do you work with toddlers? How do you get them to sit still?" And I'm like, "I don't." <laughs> yes, toddlers run all over the place. I, I've been burnt by that one myself many, many times. It's like, you know, to the, to the point where I just, sometimes I don't even try anymore. I remember one time a couple of years ago when I tried to take a photograph of my son, I thought I got him, right? He's sitting on the sofa watching the telly, right? I, I, it's all right. I've got a few seconds. I can put up a light stand and just take a photograph of him relaxing. And he let me put up the stand and he let me put the light on it and he let me put the softbox on it. And he saw me get ready to take the shot and he got up and walked away. Yeah. He's like, and we're done. That was really fun. Yeah. He totally won that round. (laughs) Round one to toddler. They usually do. Right. That's the thing. Yes. Yes. So, so, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. So uh, that's, I'm, uh, well, thank you for talking to us about the lighting thing. Cause actually that was something I was really, you know, keen to, to talk about because it is a, it is a subject that, that's uh, close to my heart. Um, I mean, uh, one of the things that's happened uh, recently is we did get a, um, uh, an email from uh, a listener saying, actually, it'd be good to, to have a, a little bit of a talk about uh, some of the techniques of lighting with, with film photography. Uh, would you be able to walk us through quickly uh, you know, how, how it is that you, you set up and meter and, and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. And just so your listeners know, if they want to see metering, how I meter for um, film on my website, SandraConeEducation.com. I have tons of blog posts there. I have a YouTube channel that has lots of videos too, so you can totally see it. But Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll make sure to put that in the show notes then. Yeah, I do. Because sometimes, you know, us photographers, we tend to be visual learners and sometimes it's nice to, to see what you're doing. But I always tell people I meter my strobe and flash just like I meter with window light. And so once you get your meter into a flash mode, so it will read, uh, a flash or a strobe. And I have tutorials on how to do that. Then I just meter like I would meter anywhere. And so with my color film, what I do is I meter for my shadows. So I rate it box feed meter for my shadows with the strobes and flash. And when I'm shooting black and white, I meter where I want my detail to be. So if I'm shooting for the highlights, if I want that, um, more, more drama that I'll meter there and I'll communicate that to my lab so that they can scan for the highlights. Or if I want a little more definition in the shadows, I'll meter for my shadows. So just uh, okay so so wait, j- just just to make sure i've understood that then when you say you meter mm-hmm. for the shadows you're you are using your meter in an area that is a, a shadow area and getting what the meter will tell you is a correct exposure uh for for that point in the shot is that is that correct that is correct and i always rate you know a lot of things um another thing people ask me about a lot is if i rate my film something other than box speed so you know box speed 400 speed film for example You'll hear a lot of film photographers say that they will take their 400 speed film and they will put 100 speed in their meter. So they're rating it at 100 and then they meter from there. I don't do that. Again, remember, my brand is lazy. So I like things simple and easy. (laughs) So I always just meter for the box speed. So if I'm shooting 400 speed film, I'm rating it at 400 and I'm metering for the shadows. So that yes, okay, that's interesting. So are you, are you at that point? I guess you're you're leaning on the capacity of the film to soak up those highlights in a nice way. I guess exactly, which is great for C41. And then I did this ectochrome test. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I can't do that with the ectochrome, <laughs> but 
Um, so then I teach all people all new thing, but yeah, like when you're shooting C41, even honestly, black and white film stocks these days have such tremendous latitude. You can meter for the shadow, make sure that that darkest part of your image has enough light in it and you're not going to overexpose those highlights. Yeah. And C41 is amazing. Oh yeah. The, the, the stuff, yeah. When I tend to, if I'm doing stuff like that, I tend to use Kodak Portra and mm-hmm. um you know it, it, it's almost impossible to get it wrong you have to be really trying quite hard to to push portrait beyond where it's comfortable i tell people that all the time i taught an intro to film photography class for creative live and it got that question a lot like people are like oh i'm so scared and i said those exact words in that <laughs> and the thing i was like you have to try really hard to screw up a color stock film <laughs> like portrait 400 you know i've intentionally overexposed six stops just to see what would happen and it's fine yeah it's it, and that's the th- it's, it's actually a lot easier to do some of this lighting stuff with film than it is with digital cameras isn't it because you Absolutely. have that much more range available and also the the uh, the curve uh, associated with that dynamic range is so much more pleasing to the eye i think so i say that all the time like i can I like the way that strobes look with film so much better than I like than strobes with digital. It just film just brings this softness to it, you know, that that beautiful soft airy quality that you can't get with a digital sensor. Or I should say it's very hard to get with a digital sensor. Yeah, yes, yes. I I mean they get better with every generation, don't they? But oh, yeah. it's it's still it's still it, um can be it, it, it easy to just make a, a silly mistake i find with a digital camera and then and then it's done and it's gone yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're no, like guess what they just blew out the highlights and that person doesn't have a face anymore yeah yeah <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> so we've got so okay so let's just have a quick recap before i ask the next question so so we you, you, you've been taking photos all your life uh, you love taking photos of people it sounds like you actually love people as well i actually do i do <laughs> which is probably a good thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably uh, and, and and you know and and film photography particularly has has been really good to you um in, in its various different forms including you know, using it as a studio tool in a, in a commercial space um yeah. so so the, you know we hear a lot and we talk we talk a lot you know because we yeah, there, there are little news sections on our podcast where they say oh you know fujifilm have, have cancelled another film this week um but then actually we we were absolutely celebrating all through 2017 and the early part of 2018 because there was so many new films that were launched mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um where do you see the the future of film photography and what, what does that mean what does that even mean to you oh i think the future of film photography is strong i really do like i said i've been doing this for a million years like as a profession and i've been here long enough to see the arc of things you know i was there when digital came along and everybody was like film is dead and it's gone and and i've been watching it slowly come back and i think what's been exciting is that we've seen it come back really strong in the wedding world right the wedding industry and some of the top wedding photographers in the world shoot film and swear by it um and i'm now and my mission has always been like i want to see that happen in the portrait world. And it's exciting because it is happening. I'm seeing it more and more, uh, more portrait photographers, more family photographers are shooting film, more people are shooting film just for their families. You know, another thing that has happened in the digital age is that we all have access to cameras, you know, think of how many pictures you take every day on your phone. If you're like me, it's like a bazillion. Mm -hmm. Um, But those pictures never see the light of day. And 
people are starting to realize that. And I, I get messages all the time from people who aren't professional photographers. They're just moms and dads, and they're just wanting to capture beautiful photos of their kids that they're actually going to print and actually going to look at again. And that is easy. That is not a distraction. Um, and film gives them that. So I, I think it's only getting stronger. You know, we we're seeing companies like, you know, Kodak Alaris bringing back stocks and people are so excited about it. And, um, I think the future of film photography is strong. I am, I'm excited. I can't wait to see where it goes. Well, I, I, I am as well, actually. And you, and you mentioned uh, Kodak Alaris there, of course. You know, um, we, we haven't talked about you being a, a beta tester for Ektachrome. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that in, in other places you, you have spoken about that, but what do you see about the, the future for that? What, what does that mean for you looking forward, seeing that there's new slide films being released? Yeah, there's new slide films. They brought back a, um, a black and white stock earlier in the year. Did, Again, yeah. I think it's just more tools in your toolbox. It depends on what you look. You know, what I, what I love film for, and, um, and, I, and I teach this and I share this with people, is that it really is just another artistic tool. So it's similar to a way a painter would choose a paint, right? Like, are you going to paint with watercolor? Are you going to paint with oil? Like, what is the look you're going for? Because it's those are both paints, but they're their look is so different. Well, that's the same thing with film stocks. Like if you're going to be a film photographer, I say you need to know your light. You need to understand how to use light. You need to know your film stock and understand each individual's film stock and then know your lab because your photo lab has such influence on the final look of your image. And so with new film stocks coming in, like, like the Ektachrome 100 that's now coming in, it's just another tool. It's another, it's completely, it's a completely different look than say portrait 400 or portrait 800. And, um, and so it gives you something else. It's another tool in your toolbox. So if you want that look, if you want something more saturated, I, if you want something that's a little more perfect and as you, you know, what you see is what you get, um, then that's, a stock that you can go to. So I think it's exciting. It just gives us more options and more choices. And especially as artists, like that's so fun. (laughs) You get to design the look in your head, like, and then choose the stock accordingly to make that vision happen. Yeah, I, 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 that is it. Actually, that, that's a really good point. Uh, that's something that I really like about shooting with film is, is thinking about, well, where am I going? What am I going to be shooting? What do I want that to look like? And then you can choose a camera and then you can choose a lens and then you can choose a film stock. Um, and and some of those choices are available to you with digital, but you know, I, I personally don't have a digital medium format camera. So sometimes I think to myself, this, this is going to look really good on my Bronica. Yeah. Because I love the lens that I know that I'm going to use for this. And uh, so actually that's a good, quite sort of slight, slight aside. What, what kind of cameras do you use? Oh, I use all the cameras. <laughs> Excellent. That's the right answer, especially for Graham, who owns all the other cameras. <laughs> I bet he yeah, well, it sounds like we should get together. So I have about a bazillion, but um, my workhorses, I shoot with a Hasselblad H2, um, oh. a Contact 645, and a Roloflex 2.8. Those are, the, those are the heavy rotations. Oh, right. Okay. So no 35 mil in that then. No, and I actually haven't touched my 35 mil for years until I did the Ektachrome beta test because um, that film's only available currently in 35. 
So I busted out my 35 millimeter and actually had a lot of fun shooting with it. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is so easy. <laughs> it's so light. Yeah, well, um, they, are, they are that actually. I had one of mine yeah. out this weekend actually. And it was, well, yes, it was, oh yeah, this is easy to carry around. Fits in a small bag. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. So I might, I might be busting that one out a little bit more. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, especially if, if, if there's more ectochrome on the way. So, uh, yeah, which, which, uh, if that's the film of choice. So, okay. Well, do you know what? Um, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for an introduction to the, to the way you see, uh, the, the world of film photography and the way you see, uh, the, the, the business of film photography as well. Uh, yeah. we're going to take a, a little break now and come back, uh, with a few more questions for you. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed listening to this. Uh, we had a blast talking to Sandra. Uh, she was so much fun and uh, loads of great ideas and thoughts. And she will be guesting again on a future version of the Sunny 16 podcast uh, in the not too distant future. Um, if you liked what you heard and you want to find out more about Sandra's work, um, she has places all over the Internet um, and uh, you know she from marketing to to education to her photography studio uh, she recommends that you might start out uh, with her instagram account which is at sandra cone uh, or simply at her main website sandracone.com and we'll have links to that for you in the show notes and likewise, if you are interested in the Sunny 16 podcast, um, uh, we've been running that now every week for about two and a half years. Uh, we have some fantastic guests on. Sandra is a good example. And we run photo challenges for listeners and we talk about the film industry and talk about photography, talk about gear. Um, and you can find that at sunny16podcast.com or basically anywhere you get your podcast from. Just search for Sunny 16. Anyway, that's about it uh, for me uh, and just me for this week. Um, uh, sadly, Chris is away next week, so it's unlikely we're going to get a show out to you next week. I'm very sorry in advance for that, um, but we will be back no later than two weeks from when you get this one uh, with more installments of The Future of Photography. Uh, goodbye. <laughs>